All right, I want you to take your Bibles and join me in the book of Colossians in chapter 3. It's funny, um, when I first started a class in Bible college called Bible Study Methods, Colossians was the book that I had selected, and it was, you know, I had to go through basically every method of how to study the Bible through Colossians. So I felt like for a long time, like, this is all I'm ever going to teach, <laughs> is the book of Colossians. Because I was seeing things, you know, it's, it's, it's a relatively small book to most of the New Testament. And I was seeing so many things just from a different perspective, and there were many applications, a lot of things that we could take away, a lot of things that, we could, or that I could apply. But one of the things I like the most about Colossians is there's, there's, a, there's two lists in here. I think are really important when we're trying to answer the question tonight, is all entertainment bad? There's two lists in here, and, you know, the believer does have liberty, okay? We, you know, Paul talks about that extensively in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and for the sake of time and uh, wanting to make sure we cover this list, we're not going to go there specifically, but you read 1 Corinthians 9, and you see that he's become all things to all men that he might win some, and he has the liberty in all things, but he he holds himself accountable because he realizes that he is not to use this liberty as a license to sin. You've heard that phrase in a salvific way that free grace teaches a license to sin. I think Trent did an excellent job last week talking about, is it possible for a believer to live in sin? Yes. Does that mean they should? No. Is it possible that one human can take the life of another? Yes, it is possible. You'd be very ignorant to say that it's not. Uh, murder is happening all over the world. Does that possibility make it right? No, it doesn't. And for some reason, when it comes to salvation being you know, fully accomplished and one sin being fully paid and eternal life being a guarantee, people don't like that. And people don't like it because the devil doesn't like it because it gives people true freedom. I have never, I, when, when I was 12 years old and I came under the knowledge that all my sin is paid, I experienced freedom. I was talking to somebody just the other day. We, we were talking, and I said, you know, somebody who's trying to earn their salvation, they're going to have one of two attitudes. The first attitude, which is most likely for a humble person, they're still prideful because they're trying to work for their salvation, but they're, it's going to be fear. You're going to serve the Lord out of fear. And you can lie to yourself and say it's not fear, but you got hell on the line. You know, it's not like, oh, well, I'm going to get punished a little bit. The Catholic doctrine kind of eases hell by teaching of a purgatory, that there's this in-between place that people can pray and pay you out of. Go look it up. <laughs> it's a very wicked doctrine. And why? Because it keeps people from the truth that when you die, you don't go to a, a, a temporary holding place to see if you're going to go to heaven or hell. You end up in hell. That's a, that's a real threat. And if the devil can keep people diluted from that truth, he's keeping people away from what really helps them. But a person who's working for salvation, I was talking to my friend about this, I said, it's all fear. There, there, there's, no, there's no real love, there's no real joy, there's no real peace, there's no real thankfulness because you don't know if you've got it. And then the second attitude is pride, arrogance. And even though it's a, it's a, it's a religious piety, you know, outwardly it looks really good, but what you're saying to God is, my good works are equivalent with your offering, your accepted offering of your son. So then you can say, I did it along with Jesus Christ. And it just goes against the Bible. How can you serve God with a sound mind, as 2 Timothy tells us? 
How can we serve God without the spirit of fear, but with the attitude of love and joy? How can we do that if we have not earned our salvation? The only way we can do that is if it's all paid. If it's all paid, then you are you are free. Not free to sin, but you are free from the fear that one day you will be in hell. All your sin is paid. And if the devil can attack that message, then he keeps people lost. And this person I was talking to, you know, he's recently come under the understanding of what it means to believe and, you know, a proper understanding of the word repent and all these different things. And I'm just thankful that there's an opportunity there. I really am. But when it comes to things like what's going on in the world today, I don't know about you. Maybe it's because I'm getting older. Statistically, as people get older, they become more and more conservative. That's just a a record of fact. That doesn't mean their voting record changes, but people just tend to be more conservative as they get older. I think there's a reason for that. That's not what we're going to talk about tonight. But folks, I don't know about you. It is just hard to find godly entertainment. And I'm not talking about like TV shows and movies. I don't really think there's any of that. And I think I take a a harder line than most people, and I don't lord that over other people. Uh, At the end of the day, we all have to give an account to God. But I look at a lot of things that are being offered as entertainment, and it's just, it's hard to find things that don't have an agenda. I'm a tech guy, and yesterday I watched the Apple special event. You know, I had it on while I was doing lunch and stuff. And Apple has this, you know, totally World Economic Forum worldview of zero carbon emissions. You know, we're going to save the planet. What a, what a prideful idea. They, you know, that as if they are, we are the ones who dictate the weather and patterns, and we are the ones who dictate where storms go and stuff. Um, and there was this little skit that they did where they were, they're, they're in a pitch meeting, you know. That Apple facility is beautiful. I mean, it's all, you know, clean energy and all that. Never mind all the fossil fuels that are burned to make the batteries for these rechargeable things, but don't look over there, look over here. Uh, But they did a skit where they had this big meeting that they were going to have with this big client. And, you know, they were all like reciting lines, you know, trying to be cute and stuff. And to me, it just seems so pompous. It's just like they're looking down on their customers, like, look at, <laughs> look at you. Look at us. We're doing so good. But their client was Mother Nature. And I don't know why. I, wasn't, I was not looking for something, I promise you. I was not looking like, I got a nail apple on this. Look, I have, I have many Apple products, okay? They have great benefit. But I watched this skit and I thought, wow, this is just real blatant worship of the earth. And so all of a sudden, like, the sky gets real dark, and there's thunder and stuff, and then this woman appears, and she's Mother Nature, and she's commanding the winds, she's commanding the sun to shine, plants wither in her presence, they grow in her presence, and they're all, like, giving her this due respect, like, oh, mighty Mother Nature, and all this stuff, and I'm just thinking, like, man, this just doesn't taste good. This, this just smells weird. And then they go on and on about how effective they are and we're going to make the planet sustainable and we're going to do all these things. And you come to realize it's more than just a woke agenda as the politicians would have you believe. This is an attempt to replace God. Okay? It, it, it's, it's an attempt to just say we are in control here. It's this uh, 
humble brag that, oh, we know we're the problem and we're going to fix it. We talked about this several weeks ago when we were in the second to the last sermon on uh, Proverbs chapter 8. And we looked at Job and how God asked Job, where were you when the foundations were laid of the universe? Tell me how the wind operates, if you can. He says to Job, gird up your loins like a man and answer me. But boy, your Apple Watch is 100% sustainable. You're just so much better than God. We, We don't need him. We've got us. We can do these things. And you look at how much Apple produces. They have a whole lineup of TV shows and products and all that. And people make that their idol. It's, it's, it's appointment viewing. They'll binge watch shows. They'll consume content. They'll build their whole lives around these things. And it's, it's a very dangerous thing and place to be as a Christian because there are lists that we should observe of things we need to avoid and things we need to do. Then you look at, you know, like basic media companies like Disney. I, like, it's just kind of getting out of control. Not kind of. It is getting out of control. And they're suffering quite a bit. Recently, there's, there was a cable dispute between Spectrum and Disney. And, you know, they wanted to raise their prices. And some insiders were saying, Disney's bleeding cash because they're losing people. And so they're going to make the cable companies add on Disney Plus because people aren't subscribing and they're unsubscribing and all this stuff. And the Christians kind of caught in the middle. It's no longer like innocent entertainment. There's an agenda. There's something that's being pushed at you. Now, it's not my job. I'm not going to go to each one of your homes tonight and see what's on your TVs and all that. God does that. You have to answer to God for that. But I think there's a good way for us to run things through. Have you ever, uh, one of those early mornings, you wake up, you're going to make your coffee, and you go to make your coffee and you skip putting a filter in? You're just so tired. <laughs> you, you just dump the coffee into the you know, receptacle there and you're, and you're brewing it and you're like, man, it smells really strong in here. Uh, and then you go to drink the coffee and you're chewing it you know, because there's no filter. <laughs> I've done that more times than I'd like to admit. But that filter has a lot of good properties. And I think the scripture gives us a filter for the liberty that we have. And it's not my job. I'm not going to go to another slide here that says, do all these things, avoid all these things, because that's, that's what God set up in the Mosaic Law. We have full forgiveness in Christ, but we should not abuse this liberty for the pleasure of our flesh. So there's two lists that I want to look at. And instead of going through the negative and then the positive, I want to go to the positive first. So if you're there with me in Colossians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse number... Um, 12. Paul's talking about putting on the new man. This is our new nature that was born again the moment that we put our trust in Jesus Christ. And there are 12 things between verse 12 and verse 17 that we as Christians are instructed to do. The first one there is put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy. So we should show mercy In a world that does not show mercy, we should show mercy. It's a very hard thing for people to hear today because it's the exact opposite of what we're being fed. 
It's the exact opposite of what we're being fed. Number two, the Bible says here that we should be kind. It's very hard to be kind when you hate people. That's not a Christian attribute. We should hate sin. We should hate evil. We need to be kind to people. It's a hard thing to do when we're being told day after day after day how much we're hated, how much we're despised. We need this kind of response. We need that kind of response. The Bible says we should be kind. We should put that on. The very fact that it is a, it is a command here to put on shows us that we have to actively do this. This is not something that will just happen if we just you know, meditate on it hard enough. This has to be done through action. You show mercy through what you do. How you think is where it starts, but you've got to show it. That comes with action. Number three, humbleness. We need to stay humble. Yes, we are children of the King, but we should not be lifted up in that pride. I think a lot of politicians think they're scoring points when they, honestly, I, I, I just call it, they just grab Christianity, you know? It's like a little, it's in their little bag of tricks. It's like if everything on the progressive side, if they have their little bag of tricks and stuff, that, you know, their agenda, climate change, all that, the, the, the conservative says, oh, I'm going to say I'm a Christian. Yeah, look at me. Then they use it as a stone to beat somebody else. I'm a Christian. Blank this, blank that, blank this. And you're like, what? That's not Christian behavior. You know, it's really damaging young men. Like young men think their whole life is to get swole, anti-woke, you know, like just totally, uh, you know, just ruin the agenda, you know, all that stuff and just go get yours and treat women like an object. Although they say they want godly women, they're, they're willing to use the women that want to be used in that way. They don't make a difference there. Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life is like the Bible for many young men today. There's a lot of biblical concepts in it, but God is not there. He's removed. Is that a dangerous thing? Yes. Especially while young men are learning how to navigate the world. You take God out of it? Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed, thereby according to what? The Word. Now we're going to get a self-help book. That's dangerous. We've got to stay humble. We have to stay humble. Look at the next one here. Specifically, it says humbleness of mind, so in the way that you think. Meekness, which is to be gentle. The fifth one here is long-suffering, which is to demonstrate patience. 13, verse 13, shows us the sixth thing is to forbear one another. We have to put up with each other. There would be no command to put up with each other if we were all perfect. Amen? We are not all perfect. If anybody busts through those doors and says, I have arrived, pray for them. Because they haven't. And if you're the one that busted through the door, you have not arrived. Listen, let me tell you when you know you have arrived, you are present with the Lord. You have no longer any struggle with a sin nature because it's not present. We need to be patient with each other and forgiving one another. And specifically, it says, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So the model of forgiveness to be demonstrated was modeled in Jesus Christ's redeeming work on the cross. How many sins did he forgive? 
All of them. All of them. Some people look at the 70 times 7, you know, and they're counting. They're counting. That's not forgiveness. That's what the bank does. Because one day the bank's going to go, here's a bill. Like Christians are going to go, here's the bill. Who's going to get the vengeance? God is going to get the vengeance. Let God be God. You be the child of God and do the things that are instructed. Forgive one another. The eighth thing on here, which we see in the beginning of verse 14 is, and above all these things, so in addition to all these things, the greatest thing to have is what? Love is how you show mercy, kindness, how you are, uh, uh, stay humble, how you're gentle, how you demonstrate patience, how you sustain one another, and how you forgive. That's why 1 Corinthians 13 starts off the way it does. We could have all the power, we could have all the faith, we could have all the persuasion, but if we don't have love, it's hollow and useless and empty. Look at what it says in verse 14, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also are called, uh, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be, here's the next one, thankful. Be a thankful person. The next instruction here is to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. You cannot let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom if you don't know it. So know the word. And then teach and admonish one another, not by going into their lives with a, with a magnifying glass and saying, hey, I'm here to teach and admonish. How you doing? Don't judge me. This is a biblical thing. We sing together. We sing spiritual, as it says here, look in your Bible, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And this is the attitude in which we should sing, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So we sing corporately together to the Lord and individually as well to the Lord. This is why a lot of music today that you see, they're building idols to themselves. They had a whole concert last night. A whole thing that was just, look at me, look at this. That's, that, the Christianity should not say, oh yeah, we want that. I'm a Christian artist, I want to get to the VMAs. Do you? What's the, what's the point of that? And a lot of worship bands, they're just building followers, you know? We should not sing to bring glory to ourselves, we sing to bring glory to the Lord. And we do that together. That's why I'm very excited for somebody like James who's going to be intently working with our music ministry. That is a very important part of the church. It's a, it's a clear instruction here. It's a part of what we are supposed to put on. And I don't care if you don't sing well. Let me hear it. Because it's not about how you sound. It's about who you're singing to. What you're singing. Listen, I've heard some really, really poor singing. But can I tell you something? You hear somebody singing genuinely, it doesn't matter how they sound because they are bringing your focus on the Lord. We're not supposed to sit there and go, well, I like sister this and brother that, but sister of so-and-so, she should just keep that shut. That's not how we should do that. That's, that's wrong, you know? <laughs> Look at 17. This is the last one here in the things that we should do. And whatsoever you do in word or deed. This is a very, very broad statement. It's all-encompassing. 
do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Thankfulness is mentioned twice in this list. Be a thankful person. It's my favorite holiday for a reason. It is where, as a nation, we're supposed to remember and be thankful for what God has done, but you don't have to wait until the third week of November to do that. You can do that every day. Do you have something to be thankful for? I do. I, I definitely do. Many, many, many things. I wrote down for this one, speak and act as one who is identified with Jesus. You remember what they said about the disciples when they were teaching? Like, Aren't these those dumb fishermen? And by the end they say, they, we know they've been with Jesus. There's a difference in their life. They didn't act as the world acts and behaves. So now look at this other list here, which starts in verse 5. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, like fornication. This is immorality. And this is what, to be transparent with you, this is what I think is most prevalent in entertainment today. If it's not outright sexual activity, it is the cutting away right before you know what's going to happen. It's the innuendos in kids' programs. It's, you know, there for adults. Why? Do we need it? Is it like a shot of dopamine each time we think of something sexual and immorality? Why is that in our culture? Go study some ancient cults. You see it was built around a lot of immorality. We should avoid that. Okay. Uncleanness, which is impurity. Inordinate affection. This is one that people have a hard time defining. I see it pretty clearly from the Greek here as uncontrolled passion. This is just the all-encompassing desire to consume upon anything. It can be anything. It doesn't have to be just sexual. It can be anything. Money, gossip, food, whatever. Just to... I was talking to somebody, and I, I made this statement, the love of money is the root of evil, right? And he said, no, 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 man. Money's good. You know, you can pay bills. I was like, you miss what I heard. Money, that, that's morally neutral. The love of it problem that's where it's a problem i was just talking with a friend about this today you know i don't think politicians when they get in the office should have they're a public servant there should be no private gain how is it that people go into office worth you know only hundred two hundred thousand dollars whatever they own they come out they're multi-millionaires how does that happen i think lobbying should be no more and there should be term limits and I'm not running for president because I don't want it, <laughs> you know? But do you, see the, do you see where money's corrupted? You can see it with some very popular right-wing candidates. They'll fight the culture war on certain things, but other places they won't because those people are paying for their campaign. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But money's a bad thing when it's something that we are trying to consume. Can you have inordinate affection towards money and lust after it? Yes, Absolutely. Look at the next one here. Evil concupiscence. What? Okay. That's evil desire. The desire to do evil things and covetousness, which is greed, which is idolatry. Your greed, you have, you're, you're lusting after something to desire it for yourself. You're making it an idol. We should mortify those things. The word mortify means cut off. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, 
in which ye also walked some time, wherein ye lived in them. That's all we had before we trusted Christ, was that nature that loved and did those things. But now ye also put off all these. Anger. In our, by, by the way, what's the difference between these three things? It says anger, wrath, and malice. I found a very good explanation for this. Anger is a disposition of anger, an attitude. It's a silent thing. Anger is most likely what leads to the, the, the evil outburst, and that's wrath. When someone just totally loses it, that's where wrath is. We should not consume upon those things. We should not consume upon malice. What is malice? We had a, had a great study on that a couple of months ago, but it's to will ill of somebody else. It's the exact opposite of love. Love is to will the good of another. You want something that is better for that person over yourself. Malice is you want to hurt them, harm them. You will it. You find a way to make that happen. Uh, blasphemy, we know what that is, which is slander. Of course, we, you know, people can slander God, but can you slander each other? Yeah, absolutely. Filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another. Very plainly here in the scripture, it, it is, or in the Greek, it is do not lie. If there's one thing you can focus on for the next half of this week, don't lie. Don't be dishonest. Two things are going to happen. Number one, you're going to realize how tempted you are to lie. And how easily you call bending the truth, not, you know, you don't call that a lie. And the second thing is, you're going to realize how much less you talk. You're going to go, hmm, I don't really have anything to say here. <laughs> well, I was having a conversation with some people earlier this week, and, you know, they said something, and I was just like, I'm not going to lie. I'm just not going to say anything. <laughs> and then they asked me, like, what's up? And I'm like, well, here's the truth. It went over well, but it was better than just like, oh, let me just go with them. You know, I, w- I want to have good influence over them. Don't be a liar. You don't have anything to say? That's okay. Don't say anything. Seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. So we have this list. We have these two lists here. And there are in other places in the Scripture. Ephesians has a similar list in Ephesians chapter 5. Galatians does. 1 Corinthians 6. Those are more on the negative side. But I'm going to ask you these I'm going to make a couple statements and then ask two questions. And I'm going to let you come to the conclusion here. Because <coughs> we all have the same Holy Spirit leading, guiding us, directing us into all truth. All right? In light of these things, my conclusion is, we should avoid the entertainment which glorifies what Christians should avoid and shame the things that Christians should do. In light of these things, Avoid the entertainment which glorifies what Christians should avoid and shame the things that Christians should do. Now, this is what people will naturally do. All right, I got to go through all my shows and I got to go through and make a list. I can make that so much easier for you with this next closing thought here. Ask yourself these questions. Is leisure and entertainment the highest priority in my life? If that first thing I said about avoiding the things that say that, that God says we should avoid and pointing towards those things that we should, if your shows, your leisure, your relaxing time, your vacation time, if it's such a burden to filter those things through the Scripture, are you giving it too much priority? 
Do I put, and you ask yourself this, movies, sports, TV, or relaxation ahead of what I'm supposed to do as a Christian? You're going to find it's much easier to avoid sinful content by getting in your Bible and doing what it says. I'll give you an example of this as we close. I know we're a little over. Yankee pulled me into the office when I was right before I started working here. And so that had to be like 2011. And he was talking to me and he was like, you know, I noticed that you're here on Sunday mornings, but I don't see you any other time throughout the week. Can you tell me why that is? Now, here I am. I want to tell you, the only experience I've ever had with the pastor was somebody like Dr. Lindstrom. The, the extent of my conversation with Dr. Lindstrom, and this is not a slight on him, he's a very busy guy, was can you get the Diet Dr. Pepper out of the office? Okay? He would ask me to do things. I wouldn't go and, you know, have a conversation with him. It just, it, it never happened. Granted, I started coming to him when I was 12, 13, you know. So this time when Yankees talk to me, I'm, in, I'm 20, 21 years old. So here I am. I'm in the pastor's office. I know you better not lie here. That's a bad thing. You know, maybe you can do it somewhere else, but in the pastor's office to the pastor, you don't do that. And I, he asked me that question, and I had to tell him, I don't make it a priority. That's exactly what I said. And he asked me a one-word question, why? And I didn't have anything to say. I said, I don't know. I probably should. So from that point forward, he didn't make an expectation for me, but he made it real clear that I'm choosing to do something else instead of what I'm supposed to do. So Kyla and I, we said... On Sunday afternoons and stuff, we're not gonna, I'm not going to schedule 18 holes of golf, hanging out with friends and stuff, because i got to go to church on Sunday night. I should be there. Same thing with Wednesday night. Then I started to find those things I would have done, I'm not doing them anymore, so out of sight, out of mind. I used to love, I used to watch every single baseball game. There's like 160-something of those in a regular season. I'd watch everyone, I'd listen to the play-by-play and stuff. Just naturally, as I've done more things for the Lord, I forget that the baseball game is even on. It works like that when you are preoccupied with something else. Replace those things that you set a high priority on, replace them with something godly. Instead of starting your day watching the news, start your day in quiet prayer. It's a simple choice. And I'm not saying everybody should do exactly that. I made that mistake in Bible college. I, I looked at the prayer life of other people. You know, like great missionaries are like, I start three hours a day in prayer. And I'm like, oh my goodness, three hours? I'll never be a good Christian. It's not about how much time they spent in prayer. It's that they made a decision to pray. Okay, so you do that. Naturally, over time, I'm not worried. I don't even know what's in the movies. There are some things here and there that I know what's coming out, but most of the time I'll drive by AMC, I'm like, it's packed. I got no clue as to why. But before I would be calling in and pressing all the numbers, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you know, before you had to reserve a seat and you would just like go, and if you were late, you'd be watching it like this. <laughs> but now those, things, those desires have changed because something else has come into my life and taken control. The Word. And it's a process. 
But there's, a, there's an immediate thing that you can do. All the things that promote you know, immorality, impurity, anger, wrath, all that stuff, you can safely say, I should not be consuming that. And the things that do promote love and kindness and all that, and I'm not talking about you know, just earthly love and kindness and all that, but in a sense that it honors God, then that's, you know, that is what it is. And there's, there's morally neutral things too. I don't think there's anything wrong with a baseball game. I don't think the game of baseball is evil. Now, if you're going to gamble on it, stop. Stop. That's different. If you're going to miss a responsibility that you should do for God in place of you're going to do the baseball thing, now, you, now you've taken the morally neutral game and you've made it something that is a higher priority than God. Well, I don't like how that makes me feel. I'm not going to apologize for that. That's the truth. You have to look at, that's how you need to look at these things. And you go by that list. That's a good way to start. Is golf bad? Well, <laughs> some people would say it's a horrible idea. <laughs> but... Is the game itself a wicked thing? I don't think so. If you're betting on it, if it's something that like, you're consuming it all the time and you're working all the time, it's just, all, it's just there, it's driving and consuming your thoughts. Why is that? Have you made it an idol? I think, and then after you've done those things, replace time you would be sitting around doing nothing with reading your Bible, praying calling people, talking to people, call me. Hey, Jesse, is there anything I can do at the church? Yes, there is. Trust me. Trust me, there's something you can do. You get into the habit of doing that, you're going to find a lot more joy. You're going to have a cleaner conscience. You don't have to hide things from people. And you'll be able to serve God according to... It'll be easier to be kind, loving, thankful. But if you're consuming a bunch of stuff that's just anti-God and just you know against any kind of biblical teaching well you could probably just cut that stuff out that's not going to make you healthy that's like you know standing in a radiation zone you're just going to get sicker and sicker and sicker it might be a slow process but you're not getting better was this helpful I pray that it was because a lot of people attack this topic in a very legalistic way they bring their standards as like a huge axe and then they just right over you. And you're like, oh my goodness, I'll never be like Brother Jesse. I'm not the standard. Who's the standard? Christ. You want to follow me? Only follow me as I follow Christ. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be just like Pastor Jesse. No, you don't. You want to be just like what God has asked you to be like, modeled after his son. Isn't that nice? Trust me, Jesus is so much better than me. <laughs> so much. He's better than you, too. Surprise, surprise. Lest any of you thought highly of yourself, you know? I'm going to let this hand represent you and me. My wallet represents sin. I put this on top of my hand because the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This is how we can know that we'll spend an eternity with God forever in heaven. God loves us very much, but he hates this sin. Sin separates us from him. In God's perfect heaven, there can be no sin. In God is only light, there is no darkness. So we cannot have sin and be in heaven. This sin condemns us. If we were to die without a payment being put to our account, we'd spend an eternity separated from him in a literal fire-burning hell. That's not because God hates you. That's because 
that's what God has said is the, pain, is, is the punishment for sin. Separation from Him. The world will teach you good works and turning from sin will make you qualify for eternal life to be in heaven forever, but the payment for sin is not good works or turning from our sin. Somebody has to shed their blood and die for this. This is going to represent Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son. For God so loved the world, that's you and me, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You get salvation when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, plus nothing else. Not trust plus, I'm going to keep asking for forgiveness of my sins just in case. That's not trusting. That's one hand on the, uh, or uh, one foot on the dock, the other on the boat. Something's going to give, you know? Trust is to put your confidence or assurance in a stated or implied truth. What's that mean? Jesus died for all my sin. If you believe on his death, burial, and resurrection, you receive as a free gift everlasting life. It can't be that easy. It is. He did all the work because we couldn't do anything that would bear in it. And no, there's not, but wait, there's more. (laughs) Well, there is actually. You have a great opportunity to serve God here without any fear of hell or being denied eternal life by him. Once you're saved, you're saved forever. That's how permanent the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is. How do you receive it? By faith in him and him alone. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're watching online, I pray this makes sense to you, that you would put your trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone. For the rest of uh, all of us here and on the internet too, I would pray that you would think on these things that we've talked on tonight. And maybe you've put entertainment, sports, these other things as an idol in your life. Make a change. Start replacing those things little by little with godly living. And I think you'll see a great change. But be willing to ask yourself the hard questions and don't lie to yourself. God will help you in these things. Father, thank you for bringing us here and bring us back here safely for our worship service on Sunday morning. In Jesus' name, we pray these things.